Chapter 26, Part 1 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P.T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum, Chapter 26, Clouds and Sunshine, Part 1. Happily! There is always more wheat than there is chaff. While my enemies and a few envious persons and misguided moralists were abusing and traducing me, my very misfortunes revealed to me hosts of hitherto unknown friends who tendered to me something more than mere sympathy. Funds were offered to me in unbounded quantity for the support of my family and to re-establish me in business. I declined these tenders because, on principle, I never accepted a money favor, unless I accept the single receipt of a small sum which came to me by mail at this time and anonymously so that I could not return it. Even this small sum I at once devoted to charity towards one who needed the money far more than I did. The generosity of my friends urged me to accept benefits by the score, the returns of which would have made me quite independent. There was a proposition among leading citizens in New York to give a series of benefits which I felt obliged to decline, though the movement in my favor deeply touched me. To show the class of men who sympathized with me in my misfortunes and also the ground which I took in the matter, I venture to copy the following correspondence which appeared in the New York papers of the day. New York, June second, 1856. Mr. P. T. Barnum. Dear Sir, the financial ruin of a man of acknowledged energy and enterprise is a public calamity. The sudden blow, therefore, that has swept away from a man like yourself the accumulated wealth of years justifies, we think, the public sympathy. The better to manifest our sincere respect for your liberal example in prosperity, as well as exhibit our honest admiration of your fortitude under overwhelming reverses, we propose to give that sympathy a tangible expression by soliciting your acceptance of a series of benefits for your family, the results of which may possibly secure for your wife and children a future home, or at least rescue them from the more immediate consequences of your misfortune. Freeman Hunt, E.K. Collins, Isaac Y. Fowler, James Phelan, Cornelius Vanderbilt, F.B. Cooting, James W. Gerard, Simeon Draper, Thomas McElrath, Park Goodwin, R. F. Carman, General C. W. Sanford, Philo Hurd, President H. R. R. William Ellsworth, President Brooklyn Insurance Company, George S. Dowdy, President Excelsior Insurance Company, Charles T. Cromwell, Robert Stuyvesant, E. L. Livingston, R. Busteed, William P. Fetteridge, E. N. Howatt, George F. Nesbitt, Osborne Boardman and Townsend, Charles H. Devilham, I.N.C. Berrien, Fisher and Bird, Solomon and Hart, B. Young, M.D., Treadwell, Acker and Company, St. Nicholas Hotel, John Wheeler, Union Square Hotel, S. Leyland and Company, Metropolitan Hotel, Albert Clark, Brevort House, H.D. Clapp, Everett House, John Taylor, International Hotel, Sidney Hopman, Smithsonian Hotel, Messrs. Delmonico, Delmonico's, George W. Sherman, Florence's Hotel, Kingsley and Ainsley, Howard Hotel, 
Libby and Whitney, Lovejoy's Hotel. Howard and Brown, Tammany Hall. Jonas Bartlett, Washington Hotel. Patton and Lind, Pacific Hotel. Jay Johnson, Johnson's Hotel. And over 1,000 others. To this gratifying communication, I replied as follows. Long Island, Tuesday, June 3, 1856. Gentlemen, I can hardly find words to express my gratitude for your very kind proposition. The popular sympathy is to me far more precious than gold, and that sympathy seems in my case to extend from my immediate neighbors and Bridgeport to all parts of our union. Proffers of pecuniary assistance have reached me from every quarter, not only from friends but from entire strangers. Mr. William E. Burton, Miss Laura Keene, and Mr. William Niblo have in the kindest manner tendered to me the receipts of their theaters for one evening. Mr. Goh volunteered the proceeds of one of his attractive lectures. Mr. James Fallon generously offered me the free use of the Academy of Music. Many professional ladies and gentlemen have urged me to accept their gratuitous services. I have on principle respectfully declined them all, as I beg with the most grateful acknowledgments, at least for the present, to decline yours. Not because a benefit in itself is an objectionable thing, but because I have ever made it a point to ask nothing of the public on personal grounds, and should prefer, while I can possibly avoid that contingency, to accept nothing from it without the honest conviction that I had individually given it in return a full equivalent. While favored with health, I feel competent to earn an honest livelihood for myself and family. More than this I shall certainly never attempt with such a load of debt suspended in terrorem over me. While I earnestly thank you, therefore, for your generous consideration, gentlemen, I trust you will appreciate my desire to live unhumiliated by a sense of dependence, and believe me, sincerely yours, P.T. Barnum. To Messrs. Freeman Hunt, E.K. Collins, and others. And with other office of assistance from far and near came the following from a little gentleman who did not forget his old friend and benefactor in the time of trial. Jones Hotel, Philadelphia, May 12, 1856. My dear Mr. Barnum, I understand your friends, and that means all creation, intend to get up some benefits for your family. Now, my dear sir, just be good enough to remember that I belong to that mighty crowd, and I must have a finger, or at least a thumb, in that pie. I am bound to appear on all such occasions in some shape, from, quote, Jack the Giant Killer, end quote, upstairs to the doorkeeper down, whichever may serve you best, and there are some feats that I can perform as well as any other man of my inches. I have just started out on my western tour and have my carriage, ponies, and assistants all here, but I am ready to go on to New York, bag and baggage, and remain at Mrs. Barnum's service as long as I, in my small way, can be useful. Put me into any heavy work, if you like. Perhaps I cannot lift as much as some other folks, but just take your pencil in hand and you will see I can draw a tremendous load. I drew 200 tons at a single pull today, embracing 2,000 persons whom I hauled up safely and satisfactorily to all parties at one exhibition, hoping that you will be able to fix up a lot of magnets that will attract all New York, and volunteering to sit on any part of the lodestone, I am, as ever, your little but sympathizing friend, General Tom Thumb. 
even this generous offer from my little friend i felt compelled to refuse but kind words were written and spoken which i could not prevent nor did i desire to do so and which were worth more to me than money i should fail to find space if i wished it to copy one-tenth part of the cordial and kind articles and paragraphs that appeared about me in newspapers throughout the country the following sentence from an editorial article in a prominent new york journal was the keynote to many similar kind notices in all parts of the union Quote, it is a fact beyond dispute that mr barnum's financial difficulties have accumulated from the goodness of his nature kind-hearted and generous to a fault it has ever been his custom to lend a helping hand to the struggling and honest industry and enterprise have found his friendship prompt and faithful end quote. the boston journal dwelt especially upon the use i had made of my money in my days of prosperity in assisting deserving laboring men and in giving an impulse to business in the town where i resided it seems only just that I should make this very brief allusion to these things, if only as an offset to the unbounded abuse of those who believed in kicking me merely because I was down. Nor can I refrain from copying the following from the Boston Saturday Evening Gazette of May 3, 1856. Barnum us, a word for Barnum. Barnum your hand, though you are down, and see full many a frigid shoulder, be brave my brick and though they frown prove that misfortune makes you bolder there's many a man that sneers my hero and former praise converts to scorning would worship when he fears a nero and bend quote, where thrift may follow fawning end quote. you humbugged us that we have seen we got our money's worth old fellow and though you thought our minds were green we never thought your heart was yellow we knew you liberal, generous, warm, quick to assist a falling brother, and, with such virtues, what's the harm all memories of your faults to smother? We had not heard the peerless lend, but for your spirit enterprising, you were the man to raise the wind and make a coup confessed uprising. You're reckoned in your native town a friend in need, a friend in danger. You ever keep the latch-string down and greet with open hand the stranger. Stiffen your upper lip, you know who are your friends and who your foes now. We pay for knowledge as we go, and though you get some sturdy blows now, you've a fair field, no favors crave. The storm once past will find you braver, in virtue's cause long may you wave, and on the right side never waver desirous of knowing who was the author of this kindly effusion i wrote while preparing this autobiography to mr b p shillaber one of the editors of the journal and well known to the public as quote, mrs partington end quote. in reply i received the following letter in which it will be seen that he makes sympathetic allusion to the burning of my last museum only a few weeks before the date of his letter Chelsea, April 25th, 1868. My dear Mr. Barnum, the poem in question was written by A. Wallace Thaxter, associate editor with Mr. Clapp and myself on the Gazette. Since deceased, a glorious fellow, who wrote the poem from a sincere feeling of admiration for yourself. Mr. Clapp, Honorable W. W. Clapp, published it with his full approbation i heard of your new trouble in my sick chamber where i have been all winter with regret and wish you as ready a release from attending difficulty as your genius has hitherto achieved under like circumstances 
Yours very truly, B.P. Schillaber. End of chapter 26, part 1. Recording by Gary B. Clayton.